0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back, or welcome to Ted and Yogi's pac Adventure, alongside our producer, Michael Molinari. Fellas, only two weeks left? Yeah, Thanksgiving next week? November 19th is here. It's not as dramatic as we had hoped, but we still have big games. Ted, Michael, how are we, how we feeling?
1: I think it's pretty dramatic because there's five teams still having a chance to get to the championship game. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Okay, go ahead, Michael. Torture me more. Run down all the tie-break possibilities. Come on. (laughs) Well, Jim Thornby has just emailed me, so our guy Jim Thornby. We all know SC with a win. They're in the championship game. UCLA would be eliminated with a loss. Washington eliminated with any loss in the next two games the winner of this week's Utah Oregon game would clinch a spot with another win next week. There you go. It's getting a little simple. The picture is getting a little clearer. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, what
2: the, the, I mean, just call it what it is. I mean, the dynamics out there, the two schools that are defecting are playing the biggest game. It, it, I mean, it's just, it's a result of what's happened this summer. So don't be, don't be an ostrich. It's the real deal. And everybody in the big 10 and the sec is rooting like heck for UCLA Because if UCLA wins, then the Pac-12 will not be in the CFP. And that means a second team maybe for both of those conferences is guaranteed pending TCU. And it's fascinating to me to wonder what the schools within the 10 are thinking. Because, you know, Oregon-Utah game has major significance for the Rose Bowl, which is awesome. It's great. But the USC-UCLA game is the one that matters for
0: the CFP. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't lying. Of course, here we are presented by... BetOnline and basketball is back. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. It's your continued source for all sports wagering info. It features live betting, free contests, giveaways all year long. It's fast. It's easy. You can bet your favorite sports. You bet this weekend in college football as well. BetOnline.ag to join. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Please use the promo code BELIEVE, BLEAV to receive your rewards bet online where the game starts. So with that, Tim, six teams ranked in the CFP. Top uh, 17, there's five. The SEC also has five when you look at that. So strength of conference is pretty impressive. W- what, do you, what do you make about the first... Or the third CFP ranking that came out, where SC is slided or slotted, and do you feel as confident as I do that if they win out, they'll find their way? Well, that's yeah. First of all, basketball's back. You told me that. Yeah,
2: I have a message from last night. Oh. Please give Yogi my best. Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely true. My our friend Bill said that to me last night as we finished dinner. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think USC's I, my thought was slotted fairly. And it continues to be you know it's Tennessee's the school that's sweating right now because they have these great wins yet LSU with two losses could be in could win the SEC championship Tennessee might not make the game and that's going to pose a problem which personally I don't care about <laughs> but that's the SEC's problem but and the committee's problem but you know look the the challenge to me is still going to be for USC is TCU it's not a second SEC team, TCU is undefeated, and TCU now well, they have to finish, but they have who are they? Wait a minute, who do they get in their championship game?
0: Oak State. I think it'll be Kansas State. As Kansas State. I'm sorry. you're right. Yeah. Right, it's
2: it's K State. They if they beat K State in the Big Twelve championship game, TCU's in. They should be in. They're exactly yeah. it's Cincinnati last year. They've won their way in. They should be in, and that squeezes out a one loss Pac twelve champion to me in my view.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I don't I, see it that way necessarily. Okay, I, I, go ahead. So I think that if USC wins Mm -hmm. and they're the one-loss conference champ with the one-loss, which we know what it was, the one point at the defending champs place in Utah on a crazy emotional night in that stadium, let alone game, I think that they'll beat out a one-loss non-conference champ or a one-loss non-conference championship game participant based on when I go back to when I did the mock CFP of, when it's close, they go to common opponents, they go to strength of record, they go to conference championship one. And I think where we see the Pac-12 teams slotted now, I do have a major issue. I have a soapbox for you later on in the show. <laughs> but where the, where the Pac-12 teams are slotted now, we see the strength of conference. And USC, and we will present to the committee. We're doing this podcast Wednesday. We present to the committee tomorrow morning on Thursday before we head up to Seattle for our game we will present the path that USC has. It's easily more challenging than anybody ahead of them because nobody has to play three ranked teams. Three, no, Nobody will have to. So if Notre Dame keeps winning, that's a ranked one. We know what this weekend is. And then the title game will be either avenging a loss against Utah or playing Oregon or who knows how crazy it could get um, with Washington in there. Um, but I, I just say that no one has that type of path. What's what's
2: USC's best win right now?
0: Yeah. Well, that's the point we're going to make the committee is that it's, it's upcoming. Well, but if they sit at the end, that's why I'm not worried about it. Like, you know, we'd all do these radio shows where that gets brought up and it's totally fair. You can't ignore what's reality, but you can't ignore Well, let's let them play. You know, let's not just out and ice the team out of this thing, because the last time I checked, this is and this is you'll hear me get riled up. This is not the SEC CFP. This is not a round robin tournament for Tennessee, Georgia and LSU. So to me, like even if there's chaos in that title game and LSU is in, because I think they'll be in if they win and Georgia's in um, that, that to me will be the dialogue, right? That's where it'll get tight to your point on te- TCU, because that will and- be where SC can get screwed.
2: And you're and Yogi, you're one hundred percent right, and you've heard me say this before. This has not been a CFP. This has been an invitational, yeah. in the last couple of years. And so, my concern for USC would be: Ohio State, Michigan comes down to the final drive, field goal to win in the game. See, so the loser, whichever team it is, is a one-loss team by three points to another CFP team. So, if USC were, if USC wins out, yeah. they would have quality wins, no doubt. I would be fearful that given the bias that we know exists in the invitational, that that one lost big 10 team would get yeah. the nod, would get the second nod. That's a fear I have. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but that's a fear.
0: I hope they go to, and this is where, where I was really annoyed last night watching it. Um, one is I, I watched the most basketball I've ever watched in November. Cause that game just wouldn't end the double overtime game. Game. it's no <laughs> offense fellas but I, I don't watch a ton of hoops in november usually uh but to to, to the point is that if usc and the committee if, if the committee values wins which is what they keep saying they do then the wins will be valued in terms of ranked wins michigan and or ohio state they don't they won't have those wins they have rolled their conference totally fair but i think the book is out Ohio State has no Ohio State has Notre Dame, which is a ranked team right now. Yeah, which USC. Michigan would does not in have 12. Michigan does not have that. Right. Yeah, Michigan will have Illinois, who is right. no longer ranked, right? That's who they have this weekend. Right. So I, I think that the the pack is sitting in a good spot. Based on that, uh the thing that I was really confused about last night that if wins are valued, and that's what we say, the why on God's Green Earth is Penn State at eleven at eight and two when they don't have a good win. They got two beat down losses to those two teams you're referencing. And UW has one of the best wins of the season in all of college football. Like Tennessee over Alabama, impressive win. UW over number six, Oregon, more impressive win. When you just look at, to me, the the metrics of where the teams were ranked prior to that game, and the disparity among that. And that didn't seem to be as valued as I thought. And I wonder, like, is the ASU lost in UW more versus, hey, we value wins, which is what we often hear. And 10 versus 11 doesn't mean anything. Right, but 11 versus 17 now does when we're talking about New Year's Six Bowls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it, it'll be dicey over the next couple weeks because Penn State's not going to play anybody to finish off the season.
1: Since since you mentioned basketball, Yogi, and I'll uh, continue to have my head in the sand here, but Joe um, um, Linardi's <laughs> selections don't really matter to Selection Sunday. And I think that's the point you're making is The story doesn't matter till the last day, and Mm -hmm. USC has a lot of work, to. I'd like to just ask, can they get any work done without Travis Dye? Because I think we're really putting the the, uh, cart ahead of the horse here. I just, I don't think they can make that run without him. That's my feeling.
0: It's a great point. I mean, we've had SC a few times, and, you know, in advance of preparing for this presentation of the CFP, like, you're diving through everything. And, look, take the numbers out of it. When SC struggled, what'd they do? That youth called it in every game we did. They handed it to Travis Dye. Oregon State got him going in the run game. Reason they got that win. You can go back to a lot of their tight games. Travis Dye was the guy. So, yeah, I think it's fair. But also, if there's one team that can do it, Austin Jones, we've seen him be a lead. Back in 2020, when I thought Stanford was one of the best teams in the league, he he had his year. That was his breakout year. He'll have his chance for breakout a breakout three weeks, and then Raleigh Brown, Heisman Raleigh, right? Rice game, check it up on YouTube, his first (laughs) touchdown of his life. He gave the Heisman pose. He's got a chance to be a star. I I, I don't know. I'm with you. Darwin Barlow will have a chance. Travis is a big, a massive loss. But I I do think that the team will have a chance to win these next two games.
1: So Caleb Williams can, uh, as we heard last week, a great analogy, can make plays beyond the chalk. And yeah. uh, I think I think you and I kind of came up with together what he looks like when he's eluding rushers. He looks like an adult playing tag with a toddler. And that's, every time I watch him now, that's exactly what I think when he makes that juke is, you know, playing tag with my five-year-old nephew and watching you know, at the last second moving out of his way. And I can't get that out of my head now every time I see him make that move. So that was my analysis for the day, an adult with a fi- playing tag with a toddler. So the the data... Has shown, and we've seen USC three
2: times do the same thing. They're past first team, and they've the data is very clear. First halves of games, they pass, 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 get ahead, then run. That's the, been their formula this year, and it's all there in the numbers. Much more important to me, does Jordan Addison and Mario Williams play? Yeah. I assume they will. We're sitting here with no inside knowledge other than I assume that. Lincoln Riley has done everything to make sure these guys are, and Gentry, of course, on defense, ready to play. But to me, that's the thing. If Caleb Williams can pass the ball in the first half and score and get ahead, makes life a lot easier for Austin Jones or Lee Brown if
0: Barlow plays whoever. Yeah. I'll tell you, heading into last Saturday, I was like, I think UCLA is going to win that game. And then watch Jane Delora, props to Arizona. Program defining win. Mm-hmm. He did his version of Little Houdini and Caleb Williams all night to UCLA's defense, and it got me thinking the other way of, man, Caleb Williams is bigger in stature, a little bit better at avoiding and getting out of those types of pressure situations. I kind of lean towards SC because I I do believe that they'll be, to your point, at full strength in this game. And and I, man, I you can argue back and forth like every five minutes it's, well, DTR and Charbonnet. They're gonna keep the ball. He's gonna go for 200. He's gonna have a moment. DTR's played in big games. UCLA wins at home. Okay, an hour later. Well, Gentry's gonna be so hard. He's gonna make life really challenging in the RPO game because he's seven foot six and a quarter inch wingspan. Like you could debate that who will win all day long, I think. But don't don't you think? Because I certainly do, I
2: sustain again, opposites. USC's gonna come out and pass first try to get ahead. UCLA's chip. It's chip. He's going to run Charbonnet. Can you stop him? Can USC stop? Can you stop Charbonnet with an offensive line UCLA credit to them credit to Tim Drevno, the old line coach this year. I mean, that old line has played way above what recent UCLA years have seen.
0: Yeah, that'll be the game. You know, there, uh, there's three teams in the pack that are semifinalists for the Joe Moore award given to the nation's best offensive line. Mm -hmm. We've never had that. And two are playing in the game we're talking about. And Oregon, of course, is the other. And I bet Oregon State and UW are not that far behind. So, yeah, that's where I think a lot of the eyes should go, is that line of scrimmage. And can Thule, Thule Piloto be at his best when Gentry's playing now? Because Thule's played everywhere. Mm -hmm. Linebacker, DN, D-tackle, you name it. Can the other rush end, whether it's Corey Foreman or the litany of players they've used there, can they show up? Because we know that Chip will bring three tight ends, no tight ends, three backs. One like It will be personnel central. And then when he finds one that works, he will repeat that play and that personnel grouping until the cows come home. And you're going to have to stop it. And Alex Grinch has said forever, we play one gap defense, meaning – you just have between whether it's guard tackle, tackle tight end, that's what you got, period. You don't get help. You got to go do your thing. And that will be where the game is made. And I hope it just goes late into the fourth, man.
2: And so here's another element to the USC UCLA game. I'm interested to you know to watch because he almost became the lead of every uh, highlight package Saturday night is assuming UCLA can run the ball. Yeah. Assume they can. If they can't, we throw all this conversation out. They lose. (laughs) But assuming UCLA can run the ball with some success, and then you isolate Jake Bobo. And where does USC? And USC's been shredded. You know, we saw Cal two weeks ago with an offense that isn't very effective shredded USC in the second half. Can you imagine that Jake Bobo who almost pulled off a Dwight Clark catch if Jake Bobo has the ability to run a little free in that secondary. And that's going to be fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. I would imagine they run Makai Blackman with him, Mm -hmm. um, which would be a great matchup, two transfers. Kaz Allen to me will be kind of that. If he plays, he'll be a major X factor because he can take the top off. They'll use him in a bunch of different ways. Didn't play last week. Hopefully he's healthy you want to see both of the teams at, at obviously their strength. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm with you. That'll, that'll be a fun one. Um, and a ton at stake. All right. Last time LA has felt like this. I can't remember this late in the year when this game yeah. had so much at stake. So okay, we have to talk about Washington, Oregon now. Yeah. And,
2: and I want, I want to say I watched the second half. Cause again, we were working our game. So we didn't see the stuff live, but I'm, well, I shouldn't say that. I saw it out of one eye, but that's another story. Um, it was fun to hear Michael yell at me. Anyway, uh, uh, I watched again the second half in particular, and I just was laughing my tail off watching Oregon put together this sixty-seven play drive in the fourth quarter, and then it's... that ultimately ended with a field goal, which was a frustration for them because they had the ball with a with a four point lead. Or I mean, think about this: just say. it. Picture Oregon up four with the ball at the Washington 10-yard line, four and a half minutes to go in the game. There's no way anybody thinks Oregon's going to lose, right? How much are we going to win? by? I mean, and they lost. It's unthinkable. Point being, during that entire drive, I'm sitting there thinking, Michael Molinari, the producer in the chair, He has six commercial breaks backed up. He has 14 (laughs) sponsored elements, unless he's our great friend, Jay Cutlow, who ran all of that in the first quarter. Unless, Jay, you have all this backed up, and you're sitting there pulling your hair out because it's this fabulous, dramatic game. And this team is just playing 1950s football, jamming it right down Washington's throat. And you're sitting there, and you can't get your business done. I loved it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're hoping your bosses are watching so they'll understand when the, <laughs> the report comes out. <laughs> what Ugh. does a producer do in that situation, Michael? <laughs> you try, I, uh, honestly, the honest answer you try to allow all that worry to not distract you from covering the game because ultimately that's what we're that's our number one job. And it's hard, it's definitely hard. I'll say that. Like, I can't tell you how many times at a basketball game I'm hoping for a foul to get the promo in or you know exactly. foul him. that was a foul like producers are constantly screaming at the refs for not calling fouls when they need to get something in it's hilarious well there's a there I, I was laughing because
2: the game thankfully for this was not on the Connecticut-based network which only worries about because the plays are simply there to fill between promos that's all they're there for that would have well, been a real problem on that
1: network there's a lot of promos on the network you're referring to
2: Yeah. All right. So anyway, so anyway, Yogi, Michael Penix, who you will see Saturday on Pac-12 network. Thankfully we get a chance to see you dub Michael Penix, right? I asked the question a couple weeks ago, who's the best quarterback in the conference. Michael Penix is in that conversation big time because again, brightest, biggest stage he's played on. And he made a throw for the ages in the fourth quarter that touchdown, the Davis that I watched it, and when I finally sat here at home and watched it about four times, and it reminded me of what I heard um, from several people who played defense against Brett Favre, told me this. Brett Favre, who everybody understands the way he played, they defined his style perfectly. They said, Brett Favre constantly believed my arm will beat your cover. No matter how well you cover, my arm will beat your cover. That was that throw that Michael Penix made, right? Bennett Williams is thinking, there's no way I'm picking this ball off. Or at the very least, I'm gonna break it up. Boom. <laughs> the throw beat him. That was Michael Penix saying, My arm is better than your cover. That's yeah. pretty bold. That's pretty bold.
0: You know, as much as I think it'd be great to get SC into the playoff and and uh, you know, it'd be fun to see that happen. If there is chaos, wouldn't it be fun? And it has to be complete chaos. And and Michael, you could share with us next week Mm -hmm. on uh, the tiebreakers for UW. But if he had a chance, because they will have this week, they will have the Apple Cup. But if he had a chance to be in Vegas on that stage, I think as a Heisman voter, I'm I'm appealing to 2015 and that 15% that voted early. Please don't do that this year. Let the games happen because Christian McCaffrey got absolutely you-know-what screwed on that one. Because Michael Penix is the nation's leading pastor and elevated on big stage. I wouldn't it be fun to see him on another one? On another huge stage. And an amazing, an amazing person
1: out yeah. off the football field. We've had a, we got a chance to talk to him yeah. and just wonderful. So I'd love him just to be out there so people get to see how great of a person he is, not
0: just a football player. Yeah. All right. That'll be fun. We'll have more on that next week coming off that game. All right, Utah, Oregon, 10 versus 12. Winner, as Michael said earlier, you win the next one you're in. Um, it, this is huge. I mean, w- what a game! This, what a rivalry! This is turning into twice they had to play last year. Utah rolled both. There's been so many big moments, like Caitlin Clay. Remember that moment in the game, the punt return, the throwback. Like there's, there's so much in this history that has been fun to track over the last decade or so. Utah's playing their best ball now. Like they're playing their Best football, and we don't know about the health of Oregon. Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, not sure about it. Mm-hmm. I'd anticipate Bo Nix playing, but left the game with a lower leg injury, from what we read online.
2: I did I a couple. Of ra- I did a couple of radio shows y- yesterday and today, which were bad because it's too early in the week for this stuff. But anyway, somebody asked me <laughs> about. What the greatest question who's gonna play for Oregon? What, are you kidding me? Who's gonna play for Oregon? We'll find out five minutes before the game, maybe. As which we I admire Kyle Wood again tremendously, but that's just the way he is. He just won't tell you. I assume Dalton Kincaid's gonna play. Yeah. Last week, Tavion Thomas, because everybody else on that team we saw, everybody else got banged up the previous week. Suddenly, Tavion Thomas is alive and well very well again it goes for nearly two hundo so uh yeah it's 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 a wonderful matchup and i and i love you framed it yogi because the cfp's out of the play now for this in this game but the rose bowl is very much in play and that means a lot And if whether it be dan lanning's first year at oregon if they could be a rose in the rose bowl or as we saw last year how much utah treasured it for the first time if they go back to back that puts you in you know they'll be talking about you 50 years from now if you're a team that goes back to back Rose Bowls.
0: Yeah, this is this is going to be really intriguing to me. If your eyes are going anywhere, I think it would. I would go to the Fronts. You know, Oregon offensively, they've got depth on the offensive line. Ox Forsyth is the best center in this league. Uh, if he doesn't play, it's a big hit because Junior Tufuna is the best D tackle in the league, and Jonah Ellis will become the best edge rusher in the league by the time this time next year, the secondary for Utah is loaded. How do they handle Troy Franklin, who is the most, I think the most improved receiver from last year, this year in the league. And then you flip it over and how does Oregon defend Dalton Kincaid? You know, and Cam Rising has not looked sharp his last two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 14-7 against Stanford in the third quarter, if we're going to be like, call it out what it, what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't great, but to your point on Tavion, that'll be something we'll we'll, we'll need to track. Um, I, I want to get to. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say. I think the thing that intrigues me is obviously Oregon proved they can bounce back from that Georgia game, and it's a completely different bounce back game this week. And uh, I, I think they proved against Georgia they can bounce back, but a totally different scenario. But another one week later, they got to bounce back. I'm like interested to see how they do.
0: Yeah, way more challenging path than anybody in America. They're not playing Austin P in week eleven to our friends in tuscaloosa uh i think it's how you say that austin p right uh with that said we got the big game also some drama in wazoo arizona and then oregon state really banged up going arizona state oregon state chance to get nine maybe ten wins this year ted we've done the big game a bunch what do you think about that you live in the bay area and then
2: yeah i mean it's it's hard because neither team's I mean, we, we we see where the teams are. So we can't make something out of nothing. Um, you know, it was a tough day for Cal because we saw them struggle Saturday night and that Oregon State just didn't respect what, what what Cal could possibly do to them on offense. I mean, Oregon State's defense in the first half, it was just, you know, almost in your face putting 10 guys up near the line of scrimmage and you, you can't go down Then it was just smothered Cal. So Justin Wilcox made changes. On Sunday, Jeep Christ, who is the younger brother of Paul Christ. Jeep has been in the NFL. He's going to be the play caller for the last uh, two games. And then Justin Wilcox will likely, you know, make some changes on that offensive staff, gives him a head start to do so. And I assume, we talked a little bit with him about it last week, um, he has to address the offensive line. And I'm guessing we don't usually think of the transfer portal in the offensive line category, but I'm assuming that that's where Cal will be looking for some immediate you know, free agency help to help that position for next year. Um, so the hits and that's a game that's going to be more about history than about the present. It's 125th time they've played and the 40th anniversary of the play. And that'll all be the, you know, the, the old school alums will all eat that stuff up the present day game. Yeah. You hope, you hope the rivalry factor of it overrides the fact that neither team has had the year that they want. And, uh, And I I was just so impressed with Oregon State again, you know, the way they just ground things out. And it's a story, you know, it's something we're going to watch in today's college football. Oregon State's found a gem in Damian Martinez. This kid can be a good running back. He's real. And it's 2023 football coming up. So we know what that means. And I'm hoping that Jonathan Smith keeps that thing in place because as you said, they have a shot to win eight, nine, you know, maybe even 10 get to a better bowl game for the second year in a row. That's great. And that, it's just it's it's just a really wonderful story to see it's what it's what Justin is it's what Justin Wilcox had done at Cal pre covid Jonathan Smith is doing it now it's what Jed is on his way to doing at Arizona
1: and that's that's what you like to see that's the true definition of a rebuild they can keep it going if they can work on retention we'll yep. take that up next week maybe
0: okay okay before we get to Molinari's Humanity moment of the week I want to give you a thought. Sit on this and we'll address it next week. Let's take Arizona. We assume, other than maybe their left tackle who left last week's game, Jordan Morgan, we assume everybody else is coming back. So what if you went up to the biggest donors running a collective at Arizona and said, hey, I need about 2.5. I can give us a chance to go to the Rose Bowl this year, but I need to go get a bunch of defensive players in the portal. Why not? If you, if you really oh, had well, that, that's
2: what everybody's doing. So. Yeah. Well, I just say it's that. It's no around secret like, anymore. It's, it's, it's distasteful to me. I can't stand it, but it's, it's there. So. Yes.
0: I think it'll, it'll just be interesting to track. Like because teams, as we know, most teams can get better immediately in certain sides of the ball. And I just thought Arizona has flashed uh, and continue to be consistent offensively. So that'll be a fun game with Delora playing his old team with Jake Dickard. All right. So with that said, uh, Michael, your humanity moment of the week
1: uh part of humanity's responsibility. So I'm going to take you all the way back to 2016. One of my favorite stories that I don't know if we've ever talked about but uh that guy won in 2016. I think that guy had a speech yesterday that was so boring even Fox News cut away. But anyway, I, I don't want to get political, but uh so we're in the Washington locker room, Chris Peterson's coaching. A lot of people are upset that that guy won and he said, "Okay, everybody who voted, raise your hand." Everybody else stand up and get out the people that voted, the people that were responsible have a reason to talk about this. We're going to talk about it, but if you didn't vote, you're not part of the conversation. So anyway, that led me to Sunday, gun violence yet again, scarring our sport, Uh, UVA football players, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis, Deshaun Perry, gunned down on a bus coming home from a play in Washington, DC. Just, Again, I mean, how much tragedy do we need? Um, I think every rational person could say, we don't have enough controls on people getting guns. You can buy a gun in Walmart easier than a box of Sudafed. So I think any rational person would say, we need to do a little bit more. I don't want to get into the whole debate about what needs to be done. The NRA has 5 million members. There are 330 million other people in the United States that probably don't agree with their opinion that the 5 million people are organized, they've got money and they're active and they're making decisions. That's like 1% of the country is making decisions about gun control. And I think the other 330 million, those silent majority, you need to get involved. And it's not just voting once a year. It took me 17 seconds this morning to get the emails of my two senators and congressmen. 17 seconds. So I'm not asking you to be politically active, I'm asking you to take 17 seconds, and if you think we need better gun control, write your congressman, write your senator. That's all it would take. And I think, you know, I think if you're willing to complain on Twitter, to attack the Republicans, to be divisive, but not to really do anything, if you're not going to be active, you're not going to stop being the silent majority, The only thing I suggest to you is stand up and get out.
2: Amen to that. Amen to that. And uh, thank you for bringing that to college football, Michael, because that's been something we've we've seen. Thoughts and prayers, moments of
1: silence, gestures, no more. Do politicians care about two things? Colleges too, action. Yeah. They care about two things. They care about money, but more importantly, they care about staying in power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you let them know, I'm not pleased with what you're doing and I might prevent you from staying in power, I think we all can do something here.
0: Well said. Well said. It's going to be, a... you just think of the connections in this league to Virginia, right? We'll be at Washington where they're running back Wayne Tolapapa captain at UVA last year right you look at Bobby Haskins left tackle at USC was at UVA last year like there's a player from Colorado grew up with one of the deceased men from UVA who, who got murdered yeah heartbreaking on a bunch of fronts and loved how you spun it forward in action Great 17 action.
1: seconds everybody it's all it takes it was that easy I couldn't believe seconds. how easy it was
0: yeah all right, well, here we are heading into week 12. Take some action, take those 17 seconds, enjoy your Saturday, and we'll be back for a special Thanksgiving episode next week, presented by Bet Online. Thanks.